Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, Golden Eagle fans. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg broadcasting another edition of the Eagle Hour around the state on the Super Talk Radio Network, and we thank you very much for being with us. Jim Taylor, the famous Stump Taylor, will be joining us later in the show. Eli Gold, a very famous sports broadcaster, now the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, about to come on the program. Before we get started with Mr. Gold, though, I want to remind you about Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of Southern Miss Athletics and, of course, the Eagle Hour. You can enjoy their fall-off-the-bone ribs, hickory-smoked brisket, and other fine meats. They cook in-house every day. And if you have a special event, no matter where you live in Mississippi, coming up, your local Dickey's can cater it for you, and you'll like it. You can just sit back, relax, and let Dickey's do the cooking. All right, our first guest is making his second appearance on the Eagle Hour, and we're very happy to have him. He is a legendary sports broadcaster who, in his career, has done ice hockey, NASCAR, NFL football, and most famously is the play-by-play voice uh, since 1988 for the Alabama Crimson Tide. We welcome Mr. Eli Gold back to the show. And, uh, Eli, thanks very much for your time. It's my pleasure. Good to be with you again. Well, I'll tell you, I read your biography, and every time I do, I'm pretty amazed. NASCAR, ice hockey, NFL football, college football. Is there any one favorite that you've had during your career? Well, growing up in New York and first being a New York Rangers hockey fan, uh, I love hockey. Uh, that has uh, been my favorite sport ever since I was a kid. Now, with that said, uh, it's a totally different thing than University of Alabama football, which I I love dearly, and I have an emotional tie to it. But the sport of hockey, and I've been lucky enough to be in the National Hockey League for many years, along with minor league hockey as well, uh, the the game of hockey will always have a special spot in my heart. And i got to ask this question. How does a a young man from Brooklyn, New York, end up being the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide? Have you been asked that before? Well, a few thousand times, yeah, but it's quite all right. Uh, You know, I moved south to broadcast hockey when Birmingham was in the major leagues back in the late 70s, early 80s, in a rival league to the National Hockey League. It was called the World Hockey Association. Uh, When Birmingham got a franchise, they needed a hockey broadcaster, and I grew up in New York City. I lived there till I was 23, and I just had enough of the hassles of New York City. So I applied for, and I was lucky enough to get the job to do hockey here in Birmingham. Once I got here, uh, that coincided with the uh, start of the UAB basketball program. It also coincided with the start of AA baseball, or more appropriately put, the return of AA baseball in Birmingham with the Birmingham Barons. Uh, So I started picking up those jobs. I was doing sports talk 
And then the University of Alabama job opened up in 1988, and I was blessed enough to uh, get that job. But, you know, it's really a, a total reversal on something that had happened years ago, the great voices of the New York Yankees, Mel Allen from Bessemer, Alabama, and Red Barber, whose family is from Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, those two guys left the Southlands and went up to the Bronx and totally captivated the New York City audience as the voice of the Yankees. And here I went from Brooklyn down to Birmingham. And when I had a chance over the years to meet Mel Allen, uh, who himself was a former voice of the Crimson Tide before he moved to New York, uh, we used to chuckle about uh, how our careers were, were similar yet different as far as different directions were concerned. Mm -hmm. Well, you want to talk about a small world, Eli. This is Kelly Santer in that, that you were the voice of the New York Rangers, actually. And, of course, you're going to remember the great Eddie Jockerman. Oh, sure. The great goaltender. Magnificent. Well, his son was a doctor in Hattiesburg, Dr. Mark Jockerman at Merritt really? Health. Yes. And, and, and the only reason I knew that is some of, some of us guys would get pick-up games of floor hockey inside, right. you know, and... Here's this new guy that shows up and a wizard with the stick. And I, I said, man, sure. you, I said, you've got to be from the north somewhere. And he said, yeah, I'm Dr. Mark Jockerman. And I said, Mark Jockerman, like uh, Eddie Jockerman. And he said, uh, actually, uh, that's my dad. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. That's a great story. I'd never heard that. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. That's a that, great story. It is, is. It is. It is pretty cool. A, a small world, right? It is. It is very much so. So you got the, the Golden Eagles coming in uh, this weekend. Uh, of course, I was joking with Bob. You said, you know, you did NFL football. I said, well, he's doing NFL football right now. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, as good as Alabama is, uh, they still lose nine and a half times out of ten to most any NFL team. We, we can't under, we can't, you know, let the, the lights blind you. The NFL is still a far superior product to even the very best of college football. But I will grant you the fact that every year, seemingly, you know, 10, 11, 13, 15 guys go from Bama to the National Football League. But, uh, you know, there is still a step up from uh, the SEC to the National Football League. You know, that is so interesting for me to hear you say that because we live here in college football world, of course, in the Deep South, uh, Mr. Golden. I've heard so many guys make that very comment. Oh, I'll, I'll bet you Alabama would beat Tampa Bay or I'll bet you Clemson would beat uh, the New York Jets. Uh, as a guy that knows the sport better than anybody, you say absolutely not. Maybe nine and a half times out of ten the collegiate team would lose. Maybe there'd be a day where somebody hit some big plays and what have you. Um, but, you know, every player in the NFL, even the, the, you know, it's only a 53-man roster, so even the guy who's on the second or third team is still a spectacular ball player. The speed of the game, as quick as the college game is, the speed of the National Football League is, is just blazing it's a it's a blazing speed that uh it's difficult for me to um, to convey correctly uh bama is an outstanding ball club no question but 
everybody on the defensive front uh, for even the worst team in the NFL is very, very good. The top college teams around, you'll still find a guy who's maybe not going to end up getting drafted by the NFL. I wanted to ask you about your relationship with uh, with Nick Saban. I, I would think that he would be one of the most, and I've been a- around the block a time or two, but I would think he would be one of the most intimidating, whether it's by design or not, one of the most intimidating, fearsome people to even approach about talking to. How would you describe your relationship with him? Well, our relationship is good. Of course, it's what, now 13 years old. Uh, so when he first showed up, no question. Uh, it took me a while to, uh, you know, to understand him and to be comfortable around him. His approach is so different. For instance, uh, I'd sit around with, well, with Mike Shula, with Gene Stallings, with you, whomever, you name the coach. You know, there'll be days we'd sit around and shoot the breeze and talk about, you know, what race I was doing Sunday or what game I was doing Sunday or whatever it might be. Uh, Nick Saban and I have never had those kind of conversations. He knew, and I had to learn, that as nice of a guy as I am, (laughs) Nick Saban sitting around talking to Eli Gold is not going to help Alabama win football games. (laughs) I mean, that's the ultimate bottom line. it It was so different for me that I called Jim Hawthorne, who at the time was the voice of the LSU Tigers, and I said, Jim, I said, I think I ticked him off. I said, we have no, we have no conversations, nothing. And he said, don't worry about it. He said, I worked with the man for four and a half years. He goes, we never had a conversation. <laughs> and and to, to this day, I mean, we talk, obviously, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm hosting his talk show. I mean, we, we have a, an outstanding relationship. We really do. But to this day, we don't sit around and, and just, you know, shoot the breeze and, you know, tell jokes to each other. I mean, you know, he's not going to be appearing at the Chuckle Hut downtown this week, uh, nor am I, for that matter. But the, the Chuckle Hut, huh? The Chuckle Hut, yeah. It's uh, one of those comedy clubs, right? right. I mean, neither of us, I mean, if I have a question, uh, not even I'm not even talking on the air. If I, if I have a question about something I see at practice, what have you, I can always talk to him or talk to one of the assistants and get a straight answer because they understand that I'm trying to learn so as to better, you know, convey to the listener what's going on on game day. Mr. Gold, so if you'll hang on, please. We're, we're up against a hard break. Uh, if you could just sure. stick with us, we want to hold you through. We'll get Luke involved in the conversation. We're talking to Eli Gold, and we'll continue that conversation on the other side of the break. To the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly 
was it Center? It's Kelly yes. Center. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Michael Murgans at the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson at the First Bank in Laurel. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Our friends down on Hardy Street, great selection of Southern Miss apparel, household items, anything you want with the Southern Miss logo. You can visit them here in Hattiesburg, or if you're listening in other parts of the state, you can go to campusbookmart.net. We're talking to the great Eli Gold, one of the most famous play-by-play sportscasters in the country. Luke, jump into the conversation. Eli Gold on the phone. Mr. Gold, it's an honor to speak to you today. Uh, let's look at this 2019 version of the Crimson Tide. Steve Sarkeesian is the offensive coordinator. What have you seen um, from Tua in year three, just in the first three games? A lot of people couldn't really find very many imperfections in his game, even his true freshman year. But what have you seen from Tua in the first three games that has elevated uh, his ability as a college football quarterback? Well, I mean, he's seeing the field and even better than he had before. He is uh, a little more patient. He's going through all of his reads. Uh, Obviously, this past weekend, you know, five touchdowns and over 440 yards passing. Uh, The guy is spectacular. He he just is. But uh, he is, instead of forcing the football like he might have uh, a year or so ago, he's uh, being a little more deliberate with where the football goes. But uh, we're splitting hairs here when we talk about uh, what he's doing better. The guy was uh, spectacular to start with, and if it's possible possible to be better than spectacular, uh, he is this year. On defense, uh, you, you lost some guys early with some injuries. It doesn't seem like the, the Crimson Tide. You just replaced four and five stars with four and five stars. Uh, has Coach Golding changed it all in his second year? Is it pretty much the same defensive approach? It's the same defensive approach. Of course, he was not the defensive coordinator last year. Uh, he was on the staff, but this is his first year as the D.C. But, you know, the thing that needs to be pointed out is that Coach Saban doesn't bring people in or elevate them within to change things. It's still the Nick Saban defense. They are just calling it and implementing it. Uh, Maybe a little bit of a different wrinkle here or there. But, uh, you know, these coaches that come in, uh, Steve Sarkeesian on, on the offensive side, you know, we may be seeing, at least for the first couple of games, we saw far fewer run pass options than we did from Mike Loxley, the offensive coordinator of a year ago. But then this past Saturday, when the circumstance called for it, Sark called a number of RPOs. So, But it's, they've always been there. Same thing on the defense. Uh, Nick Saban is a very hands-on defensive coach. Uh, during practice, that's where you always will find him, with the defense. So uh, Pete Golding, who was an outstanding, outstanding coach, um, he is calling the plays well, dealing with new new players, you know, with the loss of, uh, you know, Dylan Moses, the loss of Josh McMillan, now the loss of uh, LeBron Ray and what have you. Um, you know, he's having to, to manipulate things a bit, but it's still the basic Nick Saban defense. Uh, is there any indication at all uh, that, uh, that your head coach – may eventually do something else. I mean, he has reached the mountaintop where he's at. I know at uh, one time he worked in the NFL for a short period of time. Is there any, have you ever heard any any talk or any rumors that maybe Coach Saban uh, will, will try some new adventure at some point in his life? 
Oh, sorry, he'll be there Saturday, I can tell you that. But, <laughs> yeah, we uh, knew that, yeah. But, yeah, but no, uh, it, that, that hasn't come up. He loves, number one, he's healthy. He's very healthy, okay, so that's mm-hmm. good. Uh, it's not like uh, a medical situation is going to impact things. Um, he, he has never not been involved with a team. He talks about that all the time. He says, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't part of a team. Mm-hmm. He still loves what he does. You know, there are many coaches out there who recruit because they have to. He recruits because he loves to. He never stops. The man is always working. Uh, he does have fun. He gets out on his boat, goes to their lake house and so on. But he thrives on this style of a, uh, of a work day, if you will. So, no, there's been absolutely no talk. I'd be shocked if he ever went back near the NFL. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a great experience. He loves molding young men into the people that they can become, both football and off the field, which is something you don't do in the National Football League. He loves motivating young people, which you don't do in the National Football League. They're motivated by their next contract. So... No, I wouldn't ever expect to see him back in the NFL, but uh, no, he'll he'll go for many years yet, uh, as long as his health stays with him, and it has. So I wouldn't expect any changes for the uh, uh, for a, uh, quite a while yet, actually. The radio voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, Eli Gold, is with us here on the Eagle Hour, and I have to ask you: as much as the Crimson Tide continues to be a story, an ongoing story in college football. Maybe one of the biggest headlines in college football this year is the, the success that Coach Mike Loxley is having at Maryland. The Terps are a new yeah. team under his leadership. They really are, and I'm thrilled. Michael's one of the, the great guys uh, in, this, in this business. Plus, he has had some issues family-wise, you know, and, and, and they've gone through some tough times. And, uh, you know, it, it's nice to see something good happen to a really good guy. Uh, so I'm not surprised. I mean, look, uh, again, it was Alabama used a lot of run-pass options, as we talked earlier, but uh, Loxley called some very, very smart games. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm thrilled to see how well Mike is doing. And quite honestly, nobody around these parts are terribly surprised at all. You, you just knew the guy is a coach with, a, with great relationships with his players, Everybody bought in when he was here, and I, I dare say, as we can see, the Terps have apparently bought in up there, so I, I'm thrilled for him. Who do you think uh, Mr. Gold would be, if somebody asks you, who does a really good play-by-play job, particularly in football, yourself aside, of course, but who do you look up to and admire their presentation well, of play-by-play in, in football? I love the work, and I, and I must say I haven't heard John over the years, John Cox. He's a good friend. We have texted. We talked. I, I won't. I'll disqualify him because I just don't hear him that much. Uh, in the National Football League, I love Kevin Harlan's work, particularly when he does the radio for Monday Night Football. As good as he is on CBS, I learn a lot from Kevin Harlan. Uh, here's a guy who describes things almost over the top you know for years i would say you know the quarterbacks in the shotgun gets the snap and whatever he does with it 
But then I would listen to Kevin Harlan, and he would say exactly where the snap is. He's in the shotgun, gets the snap belt high or, you know, shoulder high or whatever it might be. I've learned a lot from Kevin Harlan. Uh, I, I love his work. Uh, I love Marv Albert's work, uh, having grown up in New York City when he was doing the Rangers and the Knicks. Uh, outstanding uh, broadcaster. There are many, obviously. How could you not love Vince Scully or Mel Allen doing Major League Baseball, uh, Mike Emmerich doing the National Hockey League. There are some outstanding guys out there. But I've learned a lot from, uh, from Kevin Harlan of CBS and Westwood One. Yeah, he called the game last night, in fact, the Jets and, Jets and Browns. All right, Luke, yes, one more does. question for Eli. Uh, Mr. Gold, a storied history between Southern Miss and Alabama. Um, we've had Reggie Collier on our show multiple times. I was able to play against the Crimson Tide in, in Tuscaloosa four right. different times. Uh, I know Golden Eagle fans are, are, are getting ready to come over there. Your thoughts uh, about the game this week? Well, obviously, but I'm going to be totally honest. It's a game, obviously, that Alabama should win. Uh, but you never take anything for granted. There are some outstanding players. Uh, who'll be wearing the whatever you show up in, black and white or gold or whatever color you'll wear this weekend? But uh, you know, it's a, it's a Bama is a good good football team. Uh, they are getting better. The young linebackers are maturing. Again, the defensive front may well have a starter who's on the left side, who's uh, who's a freshman uh, because LeBron Ray won't be able to play. So there'll be some new guys out there. But, uh, you know, the Alabama Southern Miss series uh, is a storied one. I remember what Brett Favre did to the Tide many, 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 many years ago. Uh, it's, you know, the teams are close enough that the fans can go back and forth and enjoy the games. But it's a game that Alabama should win. Uh, you know, y- y- that, that would be my approach going in. Mr. Gold, we appreciate your time very much. Always a pleasure to have you on our radio show and uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future. And thank you again, sir, for your time. You got it, guys. You take care. All right. Eli Gold, everybody, the play-by-play voice of the mighty Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, speaking of legends, a real one is coming up next. Don't go away.
Third segment of Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We appreciate the legendary Eli Gold joining us in those first two segments during Alabama Week. And uh, now coming on, joining us live, an even greater legend than Eli Gold himself and uh, Jim Stump Taylor. Uh, Stump, if we could have found audio... Um, from September 8th, 1990, we surely would have used it. That's why you're on the show today. Do you remember what happened on September 8th, 1990? Yeah, I guess I'm the only guest on the Eagle Hour that gets my failures placed out against everybody. <laughs> you're a legend, baby. You're a legend. <laughs> yes, I do remember seven, September the 8th pretty well, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you hit one earlier in the game, and uh, and then with three thirty five to go, the stumpster himself, the hammer from Soso, Mississippi, the <laughs> antique straight on kicker, comes out and nails a fifty two yard field goal to defeat the Alabama Crimson Tide. Stump, tell us about that moment. I mean, I just I, we we relive that, we joke about it, we think about it, but that was a major accomplishment not only for you but for Southern Miss that day. Yeah, well, you know. You think back on those things, and they're always probably a little different than actually how they happen. You know, uh, the older I get, sometimes the longer that field goal gets uh, from <laughs> from other people telling the story. But uh, it was a unique thing. You know, that that whole season had started crazy. Uh, Brett had been in the car wreck, you know, and had what three foot or something of of uh, intestine taken out, and and did not play in the opener against Delta State, and. And uh, we uh, we go to Alabama, and nobody knew whether or not he was going to play or not. But out of all the football games that I played in, that was the most even ball game. And what I mean by that is saying offense, defense, and special teams did a tremendous job. From the offense moving the football to defense taking it away, I think we had an interception return for a score, uh, big punt returns, a couple of field goals. It was just a perfect it was a perfect storm, you know, for Gene Stallings and his debut at the University of Alabama. Mm. Stomp, what were you thinking when you went out on the field? What was racing through your mind as you were waiting for him to snap the football? The dadgum wind has turned in my face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it had been at my back all day long. No matter what direction I kicked from, mm-hmm. the wind felt like it was at my back. And I'm standing there, and I think Alabama called a timeout, and I'm feeling the breeze blow, and we go back over, and Coach Hallman says, what do you think? I said, Coach, it's, it's your call, not mine. Well, he said, just just kick it through. Just kick it through. Let's go home. I said, <laughs> okay, let's go. So, lo and behold, it, uh, it, we had a great snap. Uh, Alan Anderson was our snapper, and Stacy Dennis, uh, my roommate, was a holder. And, man, I'm going to tell you what, it was, everything was perfect. Uh, and uh, ball slipped through the uprights. You know, we still had a few minutes to go in a ball game, but uh, defense took care of that. You know, it's so interesting what you just said too. Is you opened the season against Delta State in the same year that you beat Alabama, you played a really tough game against Delta State. They were no pushover, were they, Stump? No, I think we beat them like twelve to nothing. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, it was a tough ball. They had, they had a really good football team, and but now of course you know we were coming into. Uh, far senior year without him, so uh, mm-hmm. you know we just played played good defense, and there were some really uh, great moments in that season. But for Brett to come out and start the Alabama game when none of us really had a clue that he was going to, mm-hmm. 
boy, that was a big lift in that game. You know, Luke Luke called uh, stump the stumpster, and uh, when when Stump would miss those field goals, he was a stumpster fire. I guess. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> but he didn't miss many though. No, that, that's uh, he didn't miss many. <laughs> what a crowd! What a crowd! What a crowd! Yeah. No respect. Hey, Stump, I want to ask you. You know, uh, recently Nick Saban and and the Alabama football team has come under criticism. People saying that they're they're uh, non-SEC schedule is uh, cream puffs and, you know, a, a cakewalk. I, and I, I don't defend Nick Saban very often, but I totally get where he's coming from. I wanted to get your view of the criticism that Alabama's getting, justified or not, in your view. Well, my whole thinking is I think it's pretty gracious on Alabama's uh, behalf to play us. But I also know Alabama says, hey, you play who will play you, or you play who you can pay to play you. You know, um, I think there's like 1.9 million reasons that we're going over there uh, this week uh, to play them. You know, it's a great test. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, anytime our kids get the opportunity to play in uh, the upper echelon of the SEC stadiums, I think it's a great experience. It's going to help them later on. You know, and I know this. I know there's not a single kid on that team that's going to line up against one of those guys in crimson and think he doesn't have an opportunity to win on Saturday. I want to ask you too, Stump, about uh, soccer-style place-kicking. You, you know, you were, they, they talked about you were one of a dying breed. Is there any, being a orthodox place-kicker, a guy who would kick it straight on, as it were, was there any, there has to be some data out there somewhere that, that proves that kicking it soccer-style, you can just kick it further than a traditional kick. Yes? No? What do we know? I... I I think the biggest thing is trajectory. I think Luke would agree with that, is getting the ball up. But now when we – you know, I was in the game when the tee went away for the first time in collegiate sports. And when the tee went away, I didn't have any problem. I had soccer-style kickers that that were with us that had a – it was a big adjustment for them to figure out how to get the ball up again. Uh, There was a little weight room issue that you could no longer just smooth it. You You had to have a little power to get it up in the air. Uh, but for some reason, I didn't have that problem. Most straight-on guys have the problem with trajectory. Without the, When the tee was there, it didn't matter. It was going to go so high, you wasn't going to block it unless you were in there quick. Uh, as far as distance goes, I don't know that there's much. I mean, look how long Dempsey's record lasted in the NFL. It took a long time to break that record. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I feel about soccer, if you watch Kentucky – and Florida Saturday night, the kid missed the game winner. He he let, he hit it right where he wanted to. He just thought it was going to draw in, and it didn't. Most of the time, straight on kickers, wherever you aim it, that's where it's going to go. Mm. Well, I've always said the two greatest straight on kickers in the history of the game are my buddy Stump Taylor and Mark Mosley. You'd agree with that when you start. I would I, I would agree with Mark Mosley. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember? I definitely would agree with me. <laughs> I mean, you had Fred Cox of the Minnesota Vikings. You had uh, Lou Groza, Lou Groza, the Cleveland Browns. Don Cockroft with the Cleveland Browns. Who was I mean, the guy from uh, New Orleans? Stump Dempsey. Yeah, he and Dempsey ha- only had half a foot. Right, and he broke the record at one time, I think. Yeah, he that's what I said. He held that record 63 yards forever. It wasn't just a few years ago somebody broke it. So, Stump, I guess you'd also agree that if you're going to compare – 
place kickers and punters. Place kickers would be the far superior athlete. Is that correct? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, I, you know, I must have been unbelievable because I was both. So you know, <laughs> there you go. You're a legend, Stump. Uh, you got to tell us. You're, the... you're talking to you're talking to two former high school quarterbacks. Okay, That's so there right. was oh, athletic oh, ability. Oh, I and, and I will tell you what, when, when Stump played in the mid '80s, when the Stump played in the mid '80s, and I played 15 years later, we ran the exact same offense. I can tell is you that. Is that exact? Is that right? Hmm. Sure did. Well, you know, sure Stump, did. that uh, that monument to you still exists. Uh, <laughs> they, they still have it here in Hattiesburg. And, oh my goodness! Uh, yeah. So we just uh, every time I see it, I, I tell people, you know, I know him. He's a friend of mine. I, just, I guess. I guess you know, if we if we ever start beating Alabama on a regular basis, that mm-hmm. will go away. But since we, I think that's safe. <laughs> So no, I don't think you have to right. worry about that. <laughs> Reggie and I, we on the same page. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that coming down if that's the pretense for that to happen. Stump. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that, that, that's the only reason it's still around. I, I ask, I ask guests on this show all the time this question. You obviously started this show with me, so so you know I do this, but. Do you ever? Are there ever nights when you're maybe just sitting around the house by yourself or reading or whatever that you think back to those moments like like that moment at Alabama? There are a lot of moments that you that you you know constantly recall, especially especially when you're you know if I'm listening to John Cox as I was uh, Saturday night coming back uh, to my house from my mother's house, I was listening to his call on the radio and. And you know, I, I you just think about moments that that took place that you were a part of, and events that took place in those games. But I tell you, a lot of my moments come away from the field. You know, the relationships that you built with the guys, and living in the dorm, and you know, all the extravaganza that went on with that. But there's always those moments. I, I mean, I'm I got home in time to watch the end of that Kentucky Florida game, and I can tell you, I was right there with that kid, and my heart sunk for him when he missed that kick. You just know what it feels like. Stump, let me give you some real quick advice as we're going into the break. That's all well and good, those memories, unless you're ever in a court of law. Then you don't (laughs) recall. You don't remember anything, right? It works good for politicians, doesn't (laughs) it? It does. (laughs) All right, Stump, thank you. You know we love you, brother. uh, Love y'all guys. uh, You're always welcome on the show, bud. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Our buddy Stump Taylor, a legend on the Eagle Hour. We'll be back. To the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Thanks to Jim Stump Taylor for joining us in that last segment, fourth segment of the Eagle Hour, brought to us every day by Gulfport Home Center. Find them online, gulfporthomecenter.ms, the largest inventory of new and used manufactured housing. Gulfport Home Center, more room for you, more room for your family. Southern Miss Ladies Golf Team has finished their second uh, round up in Knoxville, Tennessee, at the uh, Tennessee Invitational at Cherokee Country Club. A couple of accolades for Southern Miss football players. Jalen Adams, who... 
uh, returned one to the house 100 yards against Troy uh, this past Saturday, the Conference USA Special Teams Player uh, of the Week. And Quez Watkins is the Conference USA Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, junior quarterback Jack Abraham has also uh, earned a spot on the Manning Award Stars of the Week as well as the Davey O'Brien Great Eight list for the week. If you will go to the All-State Sugar Bowl Facebook page, you can vote for Jack for a weekly award. The voting closes Thursday at 11 a.m. Bob, Luke, Kelly, and Michael from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Uh, a couple of uh, observations, and I know, Bob, we probably want to get Kelly's take uh, for, for the game uh, this past uh, weekend, but um, you think about it, you know, we're all complaining, and the defense does need to be better, and we do need to play our corners in more press uh, coverage and not play off on third and fours. But Chip Lindsey had two weeks to prepare for this this defense, and we didn't really know much of what they had offensively because they played the Fighting Camels of Campbell University in week one. So I think you take away from the Troy game, it's a win. Can we play better? Absolutely. But Troy had two weeks to prepare for us, and we came out with the win. And I think for going forward to Bama this week, get healthy, stay healthy, get your check, compete for a half, and come back home and get ready for conference play. A couple of things I think is, number one, if you didn't think that Quez Watkins was a true difference maker, I, I personally don't use that phrase a lot, but Quez Watkins, to me, is a difference maker. And Jalen Adams is going to be right up there with the – I think he's going to be something you're going to have to deal with. Other teams will have to deal with for a very long time. I, I, I have not seen a special team's performance like his. And, of course, you credit his teammates for the blocking schemes and getting him where he needed to go. But that also added to the excitement of the offensive output. I know people were a little bit disappointed to, you know, about the defensive performance, but the biggest complaint, it seems to me, uh, over the last couple of years has been how bland you know, and vanilla that the offense has been, right? Well, that certainly was not the case this, this past Saturday. But and even, even had they lost to Troy, it's like I've said before, what counts is Conference USA. Now, the win against Troy will help you in your bowl seedings, you know, as far as getting you bowl eligible quicker and maybe getting you a little bit more lucrative bowl when the time comes. But what we are seeing as the laundry gets shaken out here is North Texas does not seem to be as invincible as everybody thought they were. Not very good. Right. And I don't think Louisiana Tech is as good maybe as people thought they were. And conversely, I think the Eagles, if things continue, they stay healthy, you know all the, about all that. That Southern Miss might be better than people thought they were, and I'm telling—I said it before. I, I just, you know, it wasn't the shrimp salad I had for lunch. I felt like that this could be a really good, you know, forget this Saturday. All right, like Luke said, it's it's a paycheck. Need it, take it, right? But the rest of the way, I don't see any reason why the Eagles can't possibly run the table. A break here or there, run the table. I asked this question yesterday. Do you ever see a day when when Southern Miss doesn't have to play two games a year like this Alabama game, you know, for money? No. I mean, the bottom line is you got to you know you got to foot the bill, and if and if if fans get tired of that, then the money's going to have to come from somewhere else. Right. You know. Well, so, they would probably yep. not have to do it if fans would get off their butts and buy tickets and go to the football game. Right. Well, a million. What is it? A million eight? They're getting Luke something like that this weekend. One point, one point five, one point two against state, so two point seven total. Well, one point five. I don't know many people that can stroke a check for one point five. 
You know, so I, mean, I, I can write you one right after the game. It, no, it would have right to be a good one. Oh, though, yeah, Bob. that's what it is. Just, I could stroke it. <laughs> right. Hey, a <laughs> couple of a uh, couple of notes. This is encouraging from Jay Hops's press conference yesterday. Rakeem Booth was helped off the field with an injury. That's a linebacker, starting linebacker for the Eagles. Uh, Hayes Maples came in, did a, a great job. But uh, Hop said yesterday that Rakeem Booth is a guy we plan on playing Saturday. So that's good news um, for the Golden Eagles. Uh, also, uh, a couple notes tomorrow. Good show uh, tomorrow. Patrick McGee will be on. We can ask him more about Rakeem Booth's injury. But Joey Pinkston, uh, who was uh, uh, the brother of wide receiver Todd Pinkston, and Joey actually played in that 2000 game where the Eagles uh, beat Alabama uh, at Legion Field in Birmingham. He'll be on tomorrow. So just kind of all week long, uh, i tell you what. Uh, yeah, we, we'll probably get beat Saturday, but – that's why you line up and play, because you don't ever assume anything. Uh, we have a special deal Thursday, too. We'll be making our first ever appearance at Walk-Ons, the new restaurant owned by none other, I understand, than uh, one of the owners is Drew Brees. I've heard of him. Yeah. He's been in all the He's papers. Pretty... I think he has time to be there now. He might yeah, actually well, show yeah, up. Yeah, maybe he would Un- show up. That unfortunately. Bad news for the Saints. Good news for Michael's football team, and that is that Monday night they get to go to Washington and play. Always good to know you got a guaranteed win coming up. Oh, win's up, a win. That's win's right. A win. That's right. The Redskins on their homecoming tour now. Everybody wants to play Washington for their homecoming game, right? Correct. Exactly correct. I just want to get the Patriots schedule. You're right about that. Oh, they they have a tough one. Yeah, you know? they do. All right. Well, thanks to Eli Gold and our guy that we really think a lot of, Stump Taylor. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the, the top. top. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. Into the future I want to fly like an eagle To the sea Fly like an eagle Let my spirit carry me I want to fly like an eagle Till I'm free Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.